Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Apex Mountain. My name is Jacob Lindgren, and this is a solo episode joined by no one. Um, only thing I've watched this week before I get into the movie is Beef. I was on vacation in Boston, as we talked about in last week's episode. Um, started it one night with my brother and uh, watched a few episodes and then finished it on the way home. Uh, it's a Netflix series uh, with uh, Stephen Yun and Ali Wong. And it was phenomenal. It was really funny. It was really emotionally uh, weighted. It was um, thoughtful. I really thought it was funny. And uh, even though it gets super strange towards the end, especially the last episode, um, you feel for every single person in the movie, even though they're all kind of crazy in their own way. And I really hope this show takes off. I know it's in the top 10 right now. Um, I always am kind of dubious about the top 10 with Netflix because they put their own stuff in there, and I'm sure it's true, but I don't know. I hope it gets a real look, a real long look, because I think it is original and interesting, and it has an amazing cast, almost entirely Korean or um, you know Asian cast, and uh, it is just a phenomenal, phenomenal show, so I recommend it to anybody out there. Um, I've only watched that because I was on vacation, and then obviously Prisoners. The name is in the episode, so that isn't too big of a surprise, but this week and next week, I'm going to do Hugh Jackman, and next week I'm going to do The the Greatest Show with Jordan. She'll be back for that, but in the meantime, I'm going to do this movie uh, solo. I have not seen it until this recording, Um, so it was a movie that's always been on my list. Um, My brother loves it. She loves it. Um, I've been um, really meaning to watch it, so I decided to put the excuses aside, pick it for the podcast, and then get it done. And boy, did I love it. We'll get into it right after this trailer. Happy Thanksgiving! Happy Thanksgiving! Anna, wait until we're invited. Oh, for God's sake, Kelly, get the hell in here. <laughs> what? He actually sings in the shower, so... I do not. Yes, you do. Abby, can I take Joy to our house? Wear a hat, please. You're just getting over a cold. Joy, you wear a hat, too. Where are your sisters? I can't find them. Anna? Joy? Wait, I checked the entire house. They're not here. Dad, there was this RV, and they were playing on it. There was, there, we thought there was someone inside. You wait here. Let me go. I couldn't find them. Detective Loki. Do you have children, detective? I'm going to find your daughter. Show me your hands right now. Huh? You put those girls somewhere, Alex. No. I know you put those girls somewhere. He stays in custody until my daughter's found, right? We have a 48 hour hold on. It ends tomorrow unless we bring charges. Go charge him or something. That boy has never been in trouble, not a day in his life. Well, this thing's clean. I'd start looking in the woods by the rest stop. The police said they're letting him go today. What you doing? Tell me! Well, no, no, no! Day six. And every day, she's wondering why I'm not there. You told us that you could protect us from everything. Why did you look for my daughter? Alex. What in the world did you do? Someone has to make him talk or they're gonna die. 
gonna help Keller, but we won't stop him either. Let him do what he needs to. I know you know where they are. Where's my daughter? All I can really say about this movie is, wow, I can't believe I haven't seen it yet. Um, Denis Villeneuve brought us this brought us this movie in 2013. Um, I've already sung his praises on our Blade Runner 2049 episode. Um, I also sung his praises when I talked about loving the first Dune. I'm very excited for the second one to come out. Um, you know, he's made Arrival, Sicario, some other movies that people are very, very uh, uh, into, familiar with as well. He's... Uh, a great director at this point um and well known even in 2013 but not to the general audience but today he is between dune and blade runner but um just a just an amazing movie um some of his movies require you to sit back and really consider uh kind of how they wrap up this one's more straightforward which i'm not going to get into right away i'll talk about the ending at the end of this um but this movie's more of uh, a more straightforward uh movie in his um repertoire um, fantastic movie again. Um, and I think it was in great hands with him. He does such a good job of making everything rainy and gloomy and you can feel the pressure of time. You can feel the week ticking away quickly. You can feel Hugh Jackman and every, and, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's desperation to figure this thing out. And even though they're the only two people who have any reality of getting this thing handled, they're at odds with each other. And I think that dynamic Denis Villeneuve just kills. So, um, I wanted to make sure to start with him because I think it'd be really easy to jump straight into Hugh Jackman, which feels pretty obvious because he's phenomenal in this movie. Um, but I wanted to start with the director because he is a fundamental part of why this movie is so so good. Um, jumping into Hugh Jackman quickly, um, by this point in time, he's already done several X-Men movies. X-Men origin movies are right before this. Um, he's got a couple more still in the tank after this, the Wolverine and Logan are the two that I think of, but you even got days of future past and that kind of thing too. So leaning heavily in the Wolverine, um, you know, canon. and now he's so iconic. I can't imagine anyone else doing it. Um, but you know, he's still a very prestigious, uh, no pun intended actor. Uh, we've talked about him since the very beginning of this podcast inception with the prestige, which I love. That's one of my favorite movies of his. Um, and I'll have to really consider where this movie lands for me with him because this movie is so, so good. I'm going to have to watch some of his other ones just to get kind of reacquainted with him because I don't want to just come out and say Prisoners is my favorite Hugh Jackman movie because that seems kind of disingenuous. Um, but holy shit, it might be. Like, I'm going to have to really take it seriously. I love, love, love Logan. It's such a good movie. Um, and The Prestige, I've already sung its praises. Jake Gyllenhaal is out of control in this movie he's so good he's so demented and hyper focused kind of bringing that nightcrawler uh feeling um where you know you just almost don't want to trust him he's got like this weird like um anti-religious uh uh tattoo work on his neck and hand which is definitely part of the subplot of this movie is how religion um kind of has its claws if you will into this this small town and community but i don't know he kind of looks off kilter he's very um, passionate and hyper-focused and um, he doesn't seem like a very good guy but by the end of the movie you really start leaning on him and really start wanting him to succeed just as much as Hugh Jackman so he's crazy in this and 
to consider him in this movie and then talk about Brokeback Mountain, which we just did, I don't know, two months ago now. It's just crazy that he can be Jack Twist and still be Detective Loki in this. Like, it's unbelievable. I, I, I will always sing his praises, and this is just another movie that I've been meaning to watch and I knew I'd love, and he's fantastic in it. <laughs> Terrence Howard is in this, and I haven't seen him in a while. Um, really since the first Iron Man movie was the last time I've talked about it in the realm of this podcast. That's on our Patreon. Go check that out if you have... Uh, you know, a couple bucks and want to want to check out my opinion on that movie. Uh, spoiler alert, I liked it. He's also in Four Brothers, the movie that our uh, one of our biggest fans, Heather, has tried to get us to watch. And at this point, just to give her shit, I haven't watched it. Um, but if I ever do and we ever get around to it, he's in that as well. Um, and some other movies, you know, it's a little bit he's well known for as well, like Crash and Hustle and Flow and that kind of thing. But um, I thought he was good in this. He's a little, uh, you know, withheld. He's He's definitely grieving and he's trying to be like, the person that's speaking, you know, truth to where it's like Hugh, that Hugh Jackman's character, you're like you can't do what you're doing. This is unethical. Um, and then the destruction in his own family over his missing child, Viola Davis, his wife is like, just let him do his thing. You know, if he, this isn't ethical, well, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. We need to figure out a way to find our daughter and the police are clearly not handling it properly. So I mean, speaking of Viola Davis, um, amazing amazing actress she's just uh you know one of the best actors going in hollywood at this point in time she's well known but hasn't quite you know isn't a household name quite yet um you know she hasn't done fences and um that kind of thing yet although help did come out a couple years before so you know she's definitely known she's just not quite holy shit that's the woman king you know that, that hasn't come yet so um, it was really cool to see her in this. You almost want more out of her because you know how talented she is and she's not given quite enough room to breathe because, you know, there's a lot to go around and ultimately she's not, um, Hugh Jackman's character or, you know, Loki. So it's cool to see her in it, although I would have liked to see more of her. Um, and as, as far as that goes, the person who did the most with the least amount of time on screen, it's gotta be Paul Dano. He is just breathtakingly good in this movie um i've sung his praises on this podcast already with there will be blood i think everybody who listens to this podcast regularly knows just how much i freaking love that movie um it's one of my all-time favorite movies and paul dano is amazing in that and uh, to see him in this movie i was excited i knew a little bit about his character before watching it but my god he just sells his character so well and you feel for him even when you're not sure if you can trust him or not and um you want Hugh Jackman to be right, but it's so tragic when you find out that he isn't. And I can't think, I cannot think of somebody who would have done a better job in, in this, in this character. And, uh, Paul Dano just needs to be praised because it's easy to look back on this movie and, and think, wow, Hugh Jackman, wow, Jake Gyllenhaal. But I'd say the most compelling person minute to minute, scene for scene, you know, pound for pound, if you will, has got to be Paul Dano. Maria Bello's in this which, uh, she, you know, she's in Coyote Ugly, she's in uh, History of Violence, she's been in some things that um, you might recognize her for if you are a Maria Bello fan, but coincidentally enough, she is one of the uh, characters that, you know, recurring characters in uh, Beef, the, the TV show I brought up at the beginning of the episode. Uh, she's really funny in that movie, or that TV show, and uh, it was cool to see her in this, like, right afterwards. It was kind of crazy, the odds of seeing her again, so um, I enjoyed her in this. Um, 
you know, each person is kind of a different quote unquote stereotype of someone grieving over a lost child. Um, and I think she was really pulling off the, you know, over-medicated, heavily depressed, you know, grieving mother. And she really, I felt like, um, encapsulated that really well. She was trying to tell, you know, kind of a disjointed story that the police really weren't believing, but she was trying to be honest. And, um, that was kind of heartbreaking to see. And it was just, she, she was very well cast as well. This is a really star studded, uh, cast. Some of them is probably good timing. I don't know if you want to make this in 23 that you could give Idola Davis to be like the fifth most important person. It's probably not going to happen again, but well, uh, Denis Villeneuve, his, you know, his, uh, his, um, talent agent his his talent department uh really freaking hit a grand slam with this movie um but you know uh, as good as the cast is you can't really uh you know start and end there because the story of this movie is so good too two daughters of of two you know neighborhood friends are stolen off the street and you think it's paul dano that 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 has done it um well at least you you feel like well he's pretty sketchy and might be lying to the police and you know, he's got this overprotective aunt, and we've all seen enough datelines where an overprotective aunt hides a serial killer. So um, it all seems to be lining up, but if you know uh, Denisville knew, then you know it's not going to be that obvious. And Hugh Jackman goes off the complete deep end, which you can totally understand, even though it seems to happen pretty quickly. Um, and then Jake Gyllenhaal is there as the guy that seems like a snarky asshole. Um, um, but then by the end of the movie, you can tell that he has good intentions, even though he's imprisoned in his mind with his own um, fixation on this um, it's definitely a great name for the movie to be called prisoners because every single person in this movie is either literally a prisoner or a, a prisoner in their own mind about a situation jake gyllenhaal can't get out of his own head um, viola davis gives up her her um, moral compass because she wants to see her daughter terrence howard um, becomes a complete um, passive pushover because, and he loses his moral compass because he wants to see his daughter. Um, Maria uh, Bello's character, she is in her own mind as well because I mean, she's basically taking medicine and just trying to get through each day and can't get out of bed to um, do anything, and that's understandable. And she's a prisoner of in her own mind as well. Um, Hugh Jackman loses his mind and then ends up becoming a prisoner in a hole in the ground underneath an old car. Paul Dano, prisoner for 90% of this movie. Um, and even uh, Paul Dano's aunt, not really aunt, abductor, um, she's kind of a prisoner of the moment because uh, she loses her husband, she also loses her child, and then she decides that she wants to get back at God um, for taking away her child senselessly. So basically she's going out on a, a vigilante rampage where she just takes children away from other families to get back at God. Um and that's just kind of the evil way that your mind can go when you have that much tragedy. Um, so that's tragic as well. Every single person in this movie has something happening to them. Even the damn uh, priest that you only meet for one scene that has a dead body in his basement. Like, nobody is safe in this world that this movie has created. Um, and as tragic as it is, it makes a really compelling movie and you can see all these through lines. And once you've watched this movie once, you can see most of it, but I'm sure going back and over and over again, you'll catch all these little things. Um, for instance, um, in the first, uh, um, portion of this movie, the daughter is going back home to get her, uh, whistle. She lost her whistle. That was the whole point why the girls left the house. 
they're going to go find her whistle, um, which they they did um, because Hugh Jackman finds the whistle in that hole underneath the car, um, which is what he's blowing at the end to try to get Jake Gyllenhaal's attention or anyone's attention. He probably doesn't even know Jake Gyllenhaal's out there. Um, but he's blowing on this whistle to uh, to try to survive, and it it was a whistle he bought um, for his daughter um, in times of need. So it's like this full circle kind of thing, but also it wraps the beginning of the movie up with the end of the movie. Um, you know, when the daughter is back um, in the hospital and meeting her hero, Jake Gyllenhaal, um, he says, oh, you found your, you know, you found your whistle. And she said, oh, I think she, she's confused. I bought her a new one. Um, but she says that she found the one before they got abducted. And it turns out she had. So um, I thought that was kind of interesting, um, kind of through line of the movie that I think a lot of people may miss. Not every aspect of that, you know, obviously you know about the whistle at the end, but you may forget or not even notice that the whole beginning of the movie was wrapped around that whistle. So um, I just think that's pretty interesting. And also um, religion, um, its impact in this movie feels very similar to um, there will be blood. That movie was through lined front to back with, with religious, um, you know, hypocrisies and what people will do in times of stress or need. And this movie is absolutely no different. Hugh Jackman's character is a diehard religious person. He prays before he does things. Um, you know, he, he's uber religious and also uber nationalistic and a little, um, you know, um, paranoid and all these things They kind of work together to make him seem like a strong person and somebody that you can rely on in times of need. And whenever shit hits the fan, he throws the religion to the side immediately, um, except for sometimes where he's breaking down over what he's doing. Um, and he almost, he becomes the most corrupted person in the movie aside from the abductors. Um, so there is kind of this nice juxtaposition there where you're forced to think about these things, even, even though they're not the main plot or even the second, the second, you know, more subplot, Religion's still a through line in this movie, and I'm sure once you watch this movie ten times, you're thinking about that just as much as you're thinking about anything else, you know, kind of where people's lines are, when things are there to help you and hurt you, and, um, you know, it's just, a, it's just a nice little extra layer to this movie that doesn't go unnoticed. So, um, again, I am very, very happy I took the time to watch this movie. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I may come back around to it and circle back and do it with, uh, my brother, Justin, who loves this movie. I may even circle back and do it with Tanner, um, just cause I think he would really like this movie and really appreciate, you know, the drama of it and, um, you know, the direction that it goes and how many little twists and turns there are. And I know he hasn't seen this movie, or at least I'm pretty confident saying he hasn't seen this movie. Um, because unfortunately it's not as well known as it should be. And, um, I would love to see his perspective watching it for the first time because I think this movie is unique in the fact that Tanner and I have said many times on the podcast that you know less and less often we get to watch movies for the first time and really experience it and uh, this was a really cool one for me um, to experience for the first time and I'd like to watch it for the first time through somebody else's eyes and I think making him watch it I think he would love it and then it would be an exciting conversation so um <clears throat> As far as the uh, categories goes, Prisoners, perfect name for the movie. I thought it was a little strange before I watched it, not knowing anything about it. There's just something about it, it being plural, and I don't know, there's some, not the Prisoners, just Prisoners. There's something about it I wasn't 
um, quite following. Um, and I wouldn't have assumed I would have thought great name before watching it, but after watching it, uh, totally, totally fits this movie to a T poster. It's okay. Both guys are looking in the same direction. I'm assuming, you know, they're looking for the same cause, even though they're, you know, handling it in two different ways. There's a fixation and obsession with it. I understand all that. Um, I don't love that there's a maze right in the middle of the prisoner's name. It's not something that I noticed watching it, but I do think um, when you start to unravel the maze portion of this movie, um, I feel like I would hate for anyone to see it in the poster and then remember that and then almost overthink it. And you know what I mean? I, I, I really wanted this. I'm glad this movie unraveled naturally to me when I watched it. And I would hate for somebody to feel like they got to be thinking about something um, from the poster. So I would take that out. But other than that, I think the poster is perfectly fine uh, and perfect name. Mandatory court scene. Uh, no, I wouldn't put one in here. Um, but if I had to, um, you got to drag Hugh Jackman in there at some point. Um, and that, I guess that brings me to the end as well. Um, the, the, the end of the movie is kind of, uh, you know, ambiguous where who knows if he finds him or not. To me, he absolutely finds him. He's almost there when, when it fades out into black. It And you we already know uh, Gyllenhaal's Loki, his uh, fixation. He, he wouldn't have walked away from that. He wouldn't have been able to. He was there because he's because he can't handle loose ends. He wouldn't have left. Um, and just to reiterate um, how I feel about it, they did actually record an extended ending um, just in case test audiences didn't like how they ended the movie. Nobody wanted the movie to keep going, and they wanted it. Everybody wanted it to fade out in black, according to Denis Villeneuve. But um, you know, you never know what people are going to want, so they filmed it anyway. And in that extended filming, he finds Hugh Jackman, and then it fades out after that. Um, I like it how it is. I don't think it's too ambiguous because I can sleep at night knowing Jake Gyllenhaal found him. Like it, I don't feel like it was really that up in the air. Um, but what's interesting is we find out at the beginning of the movie, or at least somewhat early, that Hugh Jackman's dad was a prison guard. So another full circle moment where very likely he would have went to prison for his actions of, you know, keeping Paul Dano as a slave um, and torturing him for a week. Um, and it would have been a strange, you know, full circle moment of him being in prison um, when we found out this passer information about his father. So, um, again, just... Uh, just a really well-defined movie and a lot of connections from the beginning to the end and just very articulate, very smart movie. I'm glad it gets great reviews and I wish everyone's seen it. So highly, highly recommend this movie. Okay. To wrap this episode up, I'm going to review it. My opinion of this movie really couldn't be much higher. Um, I think it does get a little wrapped up. It wraps up a little quick at the end. I feel like I could have got a little bit more time with it especially now in like 2023, 2022, these, these high level directors get to make movies however the hell long they want. I do feel like there was some pressure with this movie. It, it surpassed two and a half hours. And I think there was a pressure to wrap it up. And honestly, this is one of the very few times you'll hear me say I could have went with five more minutes, 10 more minutes, really let me breathe here in the finish line. Um, so I will hit it just a little bit with that, but I think this movie's fucking awesome. It's a bar breaker. It's what drama and suspenseful movies should feel like. This reminds me a lot of some of the best movies we've watched in that aspect. So I'm going to give it a 9.2. Acting ability. Um, I really want to give this over a 9. I'm going to go a little lower just to be 
I'm a little bit more realistic. This might be my favorite Hugh Jackman movie, so it has to be above eight. I feel like he is iconic um, as an actor, just generally in this generation. Uh, between you know, the greatest show where he can sing and be amazing in that front, or he can be Wolverine and be a you know sadistic killer. Um, so I just think he's fantastic, and I still might pick this as my favorite movie of his. So I cannot go any lower than an eight point six, my favorite number. Rewatchability, this is going to be my lowest of three scores. I don't think it's quite bar-breaking. I think it needs to be watched. I do. And I think if it's on, I'm just going to watch it because it's too suspenseful to walk away from. That's a similar argument I have with like Zodiac and things like that, um, where, yes, it's long and it's not going to be like an on-every-week kind of thing, but as good as the movie is, um, I will spend a lot of time uh, in my life rewatching this movie. So I'm going to go underneath the bar with a 7.9. Which really works out for me because this movie comes out at an 8.6, which is my number on this rating scale. All of my favorite movies are 8.6s. So it only makes sense that this movie just happens to come out that way. Uh, There Will Be Blood, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Princess Bride, Sunshine in the Spotless Mind, Dunkirk, Top Gun Maverick, and Prisoners. It's all 8.6, which is just a phenomenal list of movies. Um, That is point one above Anchorman, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Big Daddy, Caddyshack, and Brokeback Mountain. And this is also point one below Jurassic Park, Get Out, Stand By Me, Shrek, and Gone Girl. What an insane list of movies there. That is enough to keep somebody busy for a month. Well, if you want to reach out and let us know what we should be watching next, what we should be doing, um, just to give you an idea, next week we're going to be doing The Greatest Show uh, love that movie. Uh, he is uh, so funny. It'll be our first musical, uh, on this podcast. I'm really looking forward to it. After that, we'll probably be doing Matt Damon. I know we're going to do the Martian. And then after that, I don't know if I let Jordan pick, she'll pick, we bought a zoo, which is fine. I love that movie too, but no one else does. I don't think, um, but we'll see. Um, but that's the next couple weeks. If you want us to do something different, add something to the end, whatever you want to say, let us know at apexmountainpod at gmail.com. Um, you can also reach us on Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. So, um, yep. Just let us know what you think. And, uh, I will be back next week with Jordan. See you guys then. Bye.